chapter 15. Mark chapter 15. We'll start in verse 16. And the soldiers led him away into the hall called Praetorium. And they called together the whole band. And they clothed him with purple and plaited a crown of thorns and put it about his head. And began to salute him, Hail, King of the Jews. And they smote him on the head with a reed and did spit upon him. And bowing their knees, worshipped him. And when they had mocked him, they took off the purple from him and put his own clothes on him and led him out to crucify him. And they compel one Simon, a Cyrenian, who passed by, coming out of the country, the father of Alexander and Rufus, to bear his cross. And they bring him unto the place Golgotha, which is being interpreted the place of a skull. And they gave him to drink wine mingled with myrrh, but he received it not. And when they had crucified him, they parted his garments, casting lots upon them, what every man should take. And it was the third hour, and they crucified him. And the superscription of his accusation was written over, the king of the Jews. And with him they crucified two thieves, the one on his right hand and the other on his left. And the scripture was fulfilled, which saith, and he was numbered with the transgressors. And they that passed by railed on him, wagging their heads and saying, Ah, thou that destroyest the temple and buildest it in three days, save thyself and come down from the cross. Likewise also the chief priests mocking said among themselves with the scribes, He saved others, himself he cannot save. Let Christ the King of Israel descend now from the cross, that we may see and believe. And they that were crucified with him reviled him. Have you ever looked right at something, but not see it? I've seen people hunt diligently for their glasses, looking everywhere around the house, all over, turning couch cushions up, looking in pockets, and the whole time, guess where they were? Right on their head. That's right, Wayne. Right on their head. I've seen people hunt and hunt for car keys. Again, looking in couch cushions, looking in pockets, looking everywhere, and the whole time they've got their car keys right in their hands. Sometimes we look at something, and it's right there in plain sight, and yet we still don't see it. The verses we read are from Mark's account of perhaps the most important event in human history. And the people that were there saw a lot of things that day. They saw Jesus arrested and mocked and ridiculed. They saw him beaten and someone else asked to carry his cross. They saw him put on the cross and they saw the nails driven into his hands. They saw that cross raised and they saw the sky grow dark. They heard him speak. They saw him suffer, and they watched him die. They saw all of these things, and yet there was something that most of them didn't see. Several times they had been told about it, and all the signs had pointed to it. It was right there in front of them, and yet most of them didn't see it. They didn't see the cross for what it really was. As time went by, God began to tell them what it was they didn't see. He gave his revelation to men. They wrote it down. They wrote down the words he inspired them to write. And when the people read it, 
they could understand what it was that they didn't see. One of those men that God gave his revelation to was the Hebrew writer, probably Paul. And Paul told Luke what to write. And in the letter to the Hebrews, Paul says some things that made many of those people see what they hadn't seen before. Now, if you will, turn to Hebrews chapter 10. Hebrews chapter 10. And we're going to read what it was that they hadn't seen. Starting in verse 10. By the which will we are sanctified through the offering of the body of Jesus Christ once for all. And every priest standeth daily ministering and offering oftentimes the same sacrifices which can never take away sins. But this man, after he had offered one sacrifice for sins forever, sat down on the right hand of God, from henceforth expecting till his enemies be made his footstool. For by one offering he hath perfected forever them that are sanctified. Verse 10. By this will we have been sanctified through the offering of the body of Jesus Christ once for all. Verse 12, But He, having offered one sacrifice for sins for all time. Verse 14, For by one offering. What they hadn't seen was offering, sins, and sacrifice. This is what they didn't see the day Jesus was crucified. They saw a crucifixion, but they didn't see a sacrifice for sins. They saw a cross, but they didn't see it as what it truly was, an altar. They were looking right at it. They saw all these other things that we previously mentioned. And in spite of being told by the prophets, Isaiah chapter 53, Psalm chapter 22, among many, many prophecies that were made, and by the Old Testament writers, what was taking place, they still didn't see it. And for many of them, it was only when men like the Apostle Paul spoke to them and wrote to them did they finally realize what was happening that day. But you know, the people that the Hebrew writer is writing to, they weren't like us. We hear the word sin sacrifice, and it doesn't mean as much to us. The word sin doesn't mean as much to us today as it meant to them. We think of it as just falling short or making a mistake. To us, sin is a trivial thing. But when they read the word sin and sacrifice, some things clicked in their minds. They remembered some things. See, they were used or had lived with sacrifices under the old law. Sacrifices were a part of their daily lives. And sin wasn't just simply falling short. Look with me at Leviticus chapter 4. Leviticus chapter 4. We'll start in verse 27. Now if any one of the common people sins unintentionally in doing any of the things which the Lord has commanded not to be done and becomes guilty, if his sin which he has committed is made known to him, then he shall bring for his offering a goat, a female without defect, for his sin which he has committed. You see, when the Hebrew writer says that Jesus dying on that cross was a sin sacrifice, the people knew something 
about a sin sacrifice. The whole reason a sin sacrifice was offered was because of sin. And sin was sin, whether it was intentional or whether it was unintentional. Anytime they didn't do what God commanded, it was sin, and they were guilty. And let me tell you what else they realized. They realized they were covenant people. They were God's people. And they realized that sin severed that covenant relationship. Because of sin, they were separated from God. Separated from the source of eternal life. Separated from fellowship with God. They were driven from His presence. They were not acceptable to God because of sin. They were stained. They were unclean. They were unholy. And no one who is unclean and unholy is allowed in the presence of God. It was a desperate situation. In fact, I think it was a heartbreaking situation. The greatest loss one could have to know that they're separated from God. To them it said, I don't have God anymore. Have you ever lost someone's favor? I have. It hurts, doesn't it? It's hard to lose someone's favor. You want it back so desperately. That is what these people felt when they sinned against God and their sin was made known to them and they had to have a sin offering. Now look at Leviticus chapter 4, verse 29. First, let me ask us, I wonder, do we ever feel that way? Have you ever felt like, I don't have God anymore? Has your sin ever made you feel that way? Do you realize what sin does and has done in your life? See, that's the reason for the cross. To bring us back to a right relationship with God. Now let's look at Leviticus chapter 4, verses 29. And he shall lay his hand on the head of the sin offering and slay the sin offering at the place of the burnt offering. The sin offering for the common Jew was a little bit different than all the other offerings in the fact that the priest was not the one that laid their hand on the offering and slayed the offering. When the sinner laid his own hand on the head of the sin offering, it symbolically said that that offering had become the substitute for the sinner. The sinner didn't see the sacrifice as just a goat or a lamb. He saw the sacrifice as himself. Whatever happened to that animal, he knew he actually deserved that end. About the time he came to the realization that he deserved what the animal got, he would have to take a knife and cut the animal's throat. The sinner would personally slay the sacrifice, not the priest, but the sinner. The blood would gush forth, and the animal would fall to its knees. And all that would be left would be a cry of fear, and the sound of the animal trying to catch its breath as it died. The animal would die 
And the sinner would be taught firsthand how terrible sin was. With the sounds fresh in his ear and the smell of blood in his nostrils, he knew that he deserved what he had just done to that animal. An innocent victim had taken his place. And finally, when the Hebrew writer spoke of Jesus as a sin sacrifice, and when they reflected back on what had happened on the cross that day, they realized that an innocent victim had taken their place on the cross. Everything Jesus received, they deserved. All that happened to him shows how terrible sin is. All that happened to Jesus should have happened to them. They realized it. Do we? Do we realize that Christ was an innocent victim because of our sin? Back to Leviticus chapter 4, verse 30. And the priest shall take some of its blood with his finger and put it on the horns of the altar of burnt offering. And all the rest of its blood he shall pour out at the base of the altar. Then he shall remove all its fat, just as the fat was removed from the sacrifice of peace offerings. And the priest shall offer it up in smoke on the altar for a soothing aroma to the Lord. Thus the priest shall make atonement for him, and he shall be forgiven. When the priest sprinkled the blood on the horns of the altar, the sinner knew that atonement had been made. It said that the price for sin had been paid according to God's requirement. The sin problem was taken care of. His sin was forgiven. And then the fat was removed and fumed up to God over the altar, as we just read. The fat in sacrifices was always God's portion. It was, as you might say, God's food. And the sinner knew then that fellowship with God had been restored. Reconciliation was made Peace had been renewed. They were back in a covenant relationship with God. Also, when the Hebrew writer spoke of Jesus being a sin sacrifice and offering himself, and when they reflected back on the cross, then they realized what had taken place. Because of the blood shed on the cross, they knew that atonement had been made. They knew that the price for sin had been paid. The sin problem had been taken care of at Calvary. Forgiveness was granted at the cross, and fellowship with God was once again available. You see, they didn't see it at the time of the crucifixion. They didn't realize it. But now, through what the Hebrew writer says, they could see it. They could see that the cross was an altar, They could see that Jesus was the sin sacrifice by which they found the forgiveness of their sins. They finally saw it. Do we? There's something else they knew about a sin sacrifice. Under the old law, it was to be done every time they sinned. Each sin required another sacrifice. But there was something different about the sacrifice made at the cross. 
Look again in Hebrews chapter 10, verse 10. By this will we have been sanctified through the offering of the body of Jesus Christ once for all. How many times? Once. For how many sins? All sins were covered. For how many people? All people. For how long? For all time. Then we look at verse 11 again. And every priest stands daily ministering and offering time after time the same sacrifices which can never take away sins. But he, having offered one sacrifice for sins for all time, sat down at the right hand of God. Regardless of the sin and how bad it was, Regardless of what it had been done and how many times, atonement was made for sins that day on the cross. When I think of that, and I think of my sin, what I have done, it amazes me that Christ would go to the cross for me. You see, the cross was not just a cross. It was a special altar. And the sacrifice that was, that was made was a most holy, most special sacrifice. From reading Hebrews, that is now plain to see. But who put it there? The answer is easy. We all know the verse. John 3.16 For God so loved the world that He gave His only begotten Son that whoever believes on Him should not perish but have eternal life. God put that cross there. It wasn't the Romans. That cross, that sacrifice, was all part of God's plan. And He put it there out of love. He loves us. We just read that, or quoted that, in John chapter 3, verse 16. And He showed that love through that altar, through that sacrifice. See, that's something else those people who saw the cross couldn't see on the day of Christ's crucifixion. They couldn't see an altar. They couldn't see a sacrifice. They couldn't see the terribleness of sin or the death of an innocent victim. They couldn't see atonement being made, sins being forgiven, and peace being restored. They couldn't see God's love being poured out all over that cross. But 35 to 40 years later, when the letter to the Hebrews was written, they saw. And down through the centuries, when people read the book of Hebrews, they see. So I asked this morning, do you? Do you see? What happened at the crucifixion? The cross and Christ. Your God, your creator, your sovereign saw the need for both. Let's not fool ourselves with our own reasoning and think that we don't need them. If, we've never, if you've never seen the, the need to let the blood of Christ that was shed on that cross make atonement for your sins, to wash them away, 
then please, please look again now. Maybe what you didn't see before, you'll see now. In Mark 16, 16, Jesus said, He who has believed and has been baptized shall be saved, but he who disbelieves shall be condemned. The price was paid on the cross. And you can take advantage of it. That payment at baptism. Salvation can be yours if you only will. Or maybe you have another need. Maybe at one time you took advantage of that payment and were baptized and were living as a Christian. But you've forgotten what that cross was. You've forgotten what that sacrifice was. You've forgotten that you need it. We stand ready to help you. We stand ready for those who need to be baptized and for those who need to be restored. Whatever your need, please look again now and come forward as we sing.